I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law does he meditate day and night. I will delight myself in thy statutes, and I will not forget thy word. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou my eyes, that I might behold wondrous things out of your Torah. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Heavenly Father, as we open up your word and search out your word to find out what it's saying to our, our spirits today, that you would make us receptive to receive it, accept it uh, uh, receptive to apply it, and uh, the knowledge and the ability to actually carry it out and to live it out in such a way that would be pleasing and honoring to you. And Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we ask these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Uh, been thinking about this all week. I want everybody to just kind of look around who's here and just realize who these people are. I mean, we, we come from very diverse backgrounds, right? I mean, we, we were born maybe in different years. We grew up in different neighborhoods, maybe different provinces, maybe different countries. Uh, we have different uh, likes and dislikes, different political views, even different theological views, and that's okay. But the thing is, we're brothers and sisters. And I don't think we totally get that because we still act very awkward. And I'm saying this to myself too. Because the older I get, you know, I used to be very extroverted as a kid, but it seems like the older I get, the more reserved I'm becoming, you know. Uh, but Oh, well, good. But uh, we need to realize that we're brothers and sisters. And they say blood is thicker than water. Well, Jesus' blood is thicker than human blood. We are more of a family by the blood of Christ than we are by who we're related to biologically. And we need to understand that because we're so, it's so quick and so easy to throw one another under the bus because of misunderstandings, because we don't totally get each other or understand each other, or maybe we're distrustful or leery of one another for what, whatever the reason may be, being hurt in the past or, or what have you. And I'm not trying to knock any other church, and I'm not trying to knock any other denomination, but I think one of the common things that brings us here on Saturday afternoons is because we're kind of tired of the same old, same old of organized church. Not saying that there's anything wrong with it, but we've seen a lot of political corruption within modern day churches and in modern day uh, denominations. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, um, a family run church. You know, they're the ones who, who fitted the bill, like in the beginning when they come together and they feel like they have a say and a right to run things that way. Maybe it's a board-run church. Maybe it's a corrupt pastor and it's run by an iron fist. I don't know. I don't care. You know, and, and a lot of times there's a lot of uh, denominations or ministries that or churches that are so bent on, you know, we got to make sure your name is on the books. Are you a member? Come be a member. They're more worried about numbers than, you know, they're worried about quantity more than quality. And I mean, that's one thing that's different is we don't have a board because we all make decisions. I include you guys in what's going on in my head. I want you to have a say. I didn't sit here and say, well, 
Bless God, we're going to start a congregation that's going to be called Ruta Yeshua, and that's it. You don't like it, there's the door. No, we all decided that's what we want to call ourselves, is the Root of Yeshua congregation. I've let you guys have a say in these things, because, you know, it, it's almost like uh, the Quakers. The Quakers have really no organized, uh, you know, structure in their church. It's, it's, you know, there's not one guy that's called the pastor. Different people speak, and they all are kind of equal, even though there's elders and people they look up to and get advice from. It, it's, it's different. And I wanted us to be different because a lot of people are just sick and tired of the political denominationalism. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have our own customs and traditions. It doesn't mean that we, um, you know, poo-poo on everybody else's customs and traditions. But I think we're here because we want to be genuine. We want to be real. We don't want it to be fake or a facade or whatever. It's, it's really hard to describe what I'm thinking and feeling, but hopefully you guys get what I'm, what I'm driving at here. And I think, I think as time draws to a close, and the return of Christ is near. He's trying to get his people back to the first century church, the first century believers. They had elders, they had leaders such as the apostles and Paul and everything, but every congregation, every community was autonomous. Though they had general things that everybody went by, and even Paul said, you know, keep the traditions we've passed on to you because they're important. They still can do things their own way. And I'm sure they didn't have a charter of members because if that charter was ever found, the government can go after them and put them in prison. You know, and, and they didn't have church buildings. They met in each other's homes. And as religious persecution comes greater and greater to the Western world, I think the Lord is driving his people to leave the brick and mortar churches and to start meeting in, 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 in uh, environments such as this. You know, like house churches kind of thing. And uh, we're getting back to more of a first century dynamic. And as we get back to a first century dynamic and being a body of believers, I believe that's going to start unlocking things that happened in the first century. We're going to have a repeat of history. I like this better. Yeah. And I mean, I have fond memories of, of the way things go in church and the way I was raised. And some, sometimes I wish we could go back to that. But no, I get exactly what you're saying. Um. And so we do things a little bit differently because we want to be different. We want to be genuine. But as we strive to be the first or the New Testament church in the 21st century, I believe that with that, the signs and wonders are going to follow us because they're going to have to. Christ taught that. He taught that. He taught that. Right. Now, I mean. Yeah. If they're I, not against me, they're for me. Right. And the same token. You know, I'm not saying that we can we should do away with the brick and mortar churches and synagogues because Jesus himself even went to synagogue. Don't worry about it. The government's going to do it for them. Yeah, you're right. Eventually, that's the way it's going to yeah. going to pan out, and we're going to have to meet in secret. But, right. um, I mean, this is why we're here, and this is why we're we're doing what we're doing. So, the message today, if if there's a title, it would be where does tradition fit in? Where does tradition fit in? So this week we're in the Torah portion of Va'atechanan. I even have a hard time saying that, but it's taken from Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 23, going all the way to chapter 7, verse 11. Now this Torah portion is very special to me because this is the Torah portion that I was born under. This is my Torah portion for my bar mitzvah. 
So every child is born under a certain Torah portion. And this was the Torah portion I was born under. And if you're born under this a certain Torah portion, that's the one that you read for your bar and bat mitzvah and do a little sermon on that. <coughs> so, you know, I'm not just saying this because this is my Torah portion, my birth Torah portion, but this is possibly the greatest Torah portion out of all the Torah portions in the Torah for the simple fact it contains so many things. It contains the Ten Commandments. It contains the giving of the Torah itself at Mount Sinai. It contains the Shema. You know what the Shema is, right? It's basically the John 3.16 of Judaism. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Baruch Shem Kavod Machuto Le'alam Vayed. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of his glorious kingdom forever and ever. Every Jewish person knows that, just like every Christian knows John 3.16. That's why I call it the John 3.16 of Judaism. It contains the portions that is put in mezuzahs on the doorposts. You know, if you, there's usually, like if you go to my house, every door except the bathroom will have some kind of container on the doorframe, and inside is words of God from this Torah portion. When... Us Jews wear tefillin, the boxes that we strap to our heads in prayer and onto our arm in prayer. These boxes contain some of these portions written in this passage that we're going to be uh, dealing with today. There's also the prohibition of not adding to God's word or not taking away from God's word. Uh, there are uh, the discussion of the three Cisjordan cities of refuge. So you know Cisjordan is before they crossed over into the promised land. That was given to Gad uh, Reuben and half tribe of Manasseh. So it talks about the three cities of refuge. It warns about the blessings of God. I mean, the blessings of God are great, but it comes with a warning. Don't get too comfortable in being prosperous because you'll think you did it yourself and, 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 and you'll think it didn't come from me. So there's the prosperity warning. There's also the commandment to transmit our faith to our children verbally and through the living example. So this Torah portion contains tons, and I could, there's a lot of different directions I can go in, but I'm just going to hone in on one of these things, and that is adding and subtracting to the Word of God. Deuteronomy what? Uh, well, we're eventually going to be in Deuteronomy 4, okay. but I'm going to start out with the uh, Revelation, in Revelation 22, because John the Revelator, he gives a similar warning that... Moses gives in Deuteronomy 4. So in Revelation chapter 22, beginning with verse 18. Revelation 22, 18. He says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God shall add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take away his share in the tree of life and the holy city, which are written in this book. Now, even this is reiterated in a sense in Solomon's book, the Proverbs. In Proverbs 30, verse 6, it says, Do not add to his words, or else he will rebuke you and prove you are a liar. Eve was proven a liar because God told Adam, Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or you will surely die. But when Eve told Satan the same thing, she said, we're not to eat or to touch it. Whoa, 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 wait a second. Where'd you get that at? God never said not to touch it. He just said, don't eat it. Now, did she come up with this on her own? 
Did Adam add this as an extra measure of protection so she won't even get close to the tree? We don't know. But Satan used that against her by basically saying, see, you, you, you know, it's touch it, nothing happened to you, so nothing's going to happen if you eat it, right? So it, it goes to show Proverbs 30, verse 6, do not add to his word or else he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. So now on to our Torah portion in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. This is a very delicate, dicey subject that's very rarely discussed in churches and in religious situations, and it's about where does tradition fit in? Where does tradition fit in? I mean, it's one thing to read the word and say, well, it's black and white. That's what it says. This is, where, this is how we're to do it, or this is what we're to do. This is what we are to do is one thing, but how we go about doing that very thing is a totally different animal. So in Deuteronomy chapter 4, says, Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes. Now, this, the word statutes, if I'm not mistaken, is the word hulkim, which are commandments that don't have a logical explanation. They're like, okay, God, this don't make sense. Why do you want me to do this? You know, usually you explain yourself, or at least it makes logical sense. So these are commandments that God gives that we may not understand why. Listen to the statutes and ordinances that I am teaching you to do, so that you may live and go in and possess the land that Adonai, the God of your fathers, has given you. You must not add to the word that I am commanding you, or take away from it, in order to keep the mitzvot, that is the commandments, of Adonai your God that I am commanding you. Your eyes have seen what Adonai did at Baal Peor. For Adonai your God has destroyed from among you everyone who followed Baal Peor. Baal Peor is a perfect example of adding or subtracting. Because Baal Peor was mixing. When you add something, you're mixing something into it. You're 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 making an addition to, an amendment to, something else, something that was originally there. So they were thinking they could follow Yahweh, the God of Israel, while also following Baal Peor, the God of Peor. And so that's adding and taking away. And if you're going to serve and add by worshiping another God, you're actually taking away from the word of God where it says, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. So you're adding and taking away at the same time. And I think that's why Moses gave this as an example. Your eyes have seen what God did at Baal Peor, for Adonai your God has destroyed from among you everyone who followed Baal Peor. But you, uh, but you who hold, held tight or cling to Adonai your God are alive today, all of you. So where does tradition fit in? Torah is the dues of the Bible. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. Now, there's also something called the Oral Torah in Judaism. So you have the Torah, which is the five books of Moses, the 613 commandments. Then you have the Oral Torah, which is all the traditional interpretations of those commandments. These are kind of the how-tos of the do's. So thou shalt is Torah. This is how you, how you carry out this thou shalt is the Oral Torah. We also call it halakha, which means the way one walks. So every sect of Judaism and every denomination of Christianity, every cultural expression of Judaism and Christianity does this. You know, that's why 
you go into a Baptist church, you know what to expect because they do things a certain way. If you attend a Catholic church, you know exactly how they're going to do things, what the liturgy is and all that. You go to a Jewish synagogue, you know how, because tradition has dictated this. Doesn't mean that it's right, doesn't mean that it's wrong. It's just that this is the way that the people in general have decided to engage God in worship. Not necessarily saying that it's right or wrong. So not really saying that they're adding to or taking away because tradition has its place. Like the saying goes, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Now, for instance, let's take the, the and I've used this example as before. So let's take the commandment where God says you are to take this word, these commandments, and write them on the doorpost of your house and write them on your gates. Okay, how do we do that? Well, Judaism has decided you make a container, you write these commandments on a scroll, roll them up, seal them in the scroll, and affix them to your door, leaning in towards the door. Yeah. But wouldn't it be equally as valid to take a wood-burning pen and literally burn those verses into the doorframe? Sure, nothing wrong with that. Or to take a Sharpie and to write it out with a Sharpie. Or take some paint and paint it on there. Or to take a chisel and a hammer and chisel it on there. The end result is exactly the same. You're fulfilling the commandment. You're putting the word of God on your doorpost. doesn't matter how you do it as long as you do it. It just depends on what your tradition is, what your halakha is, how, what, what you're, how you're used to doing it. And I, I like to give this example. One of the first arguments Pam and I had when we got married was how to do dishes. I remember we were doing dishes together. And she's like, I'll wash you dry. Okay, sure. So she's washing, hands them to me. I rinse it off and I put it in the drying rack. And then after we're done, she's like, well, aren't you going to dry them? Well, I am. No, you're not. You got to take a towel and you got to dry them and then put them away in the cupboard. Well, no, this is drying. Them. So we kind of got in an argument and then I busted out laughing. She goes, what's so funny? I said, this is our first argument. I said, don't you realize that the end result is the same? She's like, well, I grew up, my mom, the way she did it is you dried them with a towel and you put them away because if you don't do it that way, you're lazy. And I said, you know, the way I was brought up is that you put them in the drying rack, you let them dry on their own, then you put them away later. Same, it's the same. And then I kind of put the argument, I'm just like, well, you know, if I let it dry this way, at least there won't be lint on the dishes. And then we kind of come to the conclusion, you know what, it's just a different way of doing things. The end result is the same. So it's the same way with fulfilling commandments, certain commandments. You can, there's more than one way to skin. You wash your dishes now? I still put them in the drying rack. Is she okay with that? Yeah, she's, she's okay with that, and I just put them away later. I don't complain. You don't know your body No. It's such an animosity, and it does, I've seen it, it creates division. Yeah. By just just being posted by another base. Yeah. Well, I didn't do that that way. Well, you're not there anymore, Matt. Right. It's here now. Yeah. And does it ever create dirty dust around? It yeah. doesn't have to be around. You know? Yeah, for, for sure. It's the same thing. You See, have a certain oh, skill yeah. set that you bring wherever you go. It doesn't matter. See? You're going to do it the way they want you to do it. Yeah. I've learned to do this. All right. Right. In the kingdom of Kinezer, I'll just do that. For the first time, for the first while, it took a long time for me to yeah. be able to, to, to back down. Mm -hmm. Because I knew how to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Pride. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, but anyway. Yeah. Now in, in the yeah. You know what I learned? What's that? In every argument, man always got the last two words. Yes, because 
You're not supposed to say that. So in, in Luke chapter 9, verse 49, the disciples come to Jesus. And, okay, I'm using a paraphrase here, my own paraphrase. But it's like, hey, Jesus, you'll never believe what we saw. Guess what we saw? You, you're not going to believe us. Well, okay, well, okay, guys, what'd you see? We saw this guy, and he's sitting around. He's walking around casting out demons in your name, but he doesn't follow us. We told him to stop. And Jesus is like, you knuckleheads. <laughs> Why are you doing that for? Well, because, because they, they, he doesn't walk with us. He's not a part of our group. He's like, whoever is not against me is for me. Leave the guy alone. Amen. And a lot of times we treat people differently because they're not part of our denomination. Amen. Or they don't go to our church. Or they're not members of our exclusive club. I try to keep an open policy that everybody's welcome. We have people here from different denominations and different walks of life that were raised differently. You know, you've got a Messianic, you got a Free Will Baptist, you got a United Baptist, you got a Catholic, you maybe, maybe there's an Anglican floating around that's, you know, so you get people from all over, but we can all agree on the Word of God. And we're all here for the same reason because we love God, we love His Word, and we love His Messiah. The we're the family of God, right? So in Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to, well, you know, I use tons of scriptures in my messages. So you don't have to turn there, but. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the Torah, that is the law, or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill, meaning bringing them into their full and complete meaning and understanding for the purpose of carrying it out, is what the, 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 uh, the uh, Hebrew, the Greek, and the Aramaic connotate. It says, Amen, I tell you, until heaven and earth shall pass away, not the smallest letter, which is the letter Yud, or a serif, which is a decorative flare on a letter, on any given Hebrew letter, shall ever pass away from the Torah until all things come to pass. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of the commandments, which the rabbis consider the least of the commandments, is disturbing a bird's nest, you know, taking away the uh, mother uh, or, uh, and, and leaving the young, and it says, uh, therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of the commandments and teaches others the same shall be called least in the kingdom. But whoever keeps and teaches them, this one shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, the Pharisees were experts at keeping the law on the outside. They, they were atrophied and miserable and horrible at keeping it on the inside. Whitewashed tombs. They they look pretty on the outside, full of dead men's bones on the inside. It's like the the you know the uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. You wouldn't catch a Pharisee in bed with another woman, but in their mind they were sleeping with a whole lot of women in their mind. That's the difference there. So it says, for I tell you that your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees and the Torah scholars, or you shall never enter the kingdom of heaven. So the Torah, the law, has not been done away with. Or it's, it's still relevant and still applicable for today. So now I'm going to give you an example of on the one hand, you have this. On the other hand, you have that. So on the one hand, we have Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, starting with verse 16. So on the one hand, you have this. Uh, okay, verse 16. Where'd you go here? All right, it's here in the footnotes. If any man has ears, let him hear. 
When he had left the crowd and he entered a house, his disciples questioned him about the parable. He said to them, Are you then lacking in understanding? Don't you grasp whatever that goes into the man cannot make him unholy? No, actually, hang on, I'm reading the wrong verses here. Mark 7, starting with verse 6. This is where we're supposed to go. Sorry. My uh, dyscalculia is kicking in again. Mark 7, verse 6. He said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites when it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So he's basically quoting Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. So let me start and read that again. He, Yeshua, said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites. A hypocrite is the Greek word, basically was used to denote uh, an actor, a Greek actor, a hypocrite. It means that they wore a mask. So they were one thing, the mask was one thing, but underneath that mask, they were totally different. They were something else. They were a hypocrite. They were a pretender, an actor. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you actors, you hypocrites, you mask wearers. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips. Oh, I praise you, oh God. You know, that I'm not like these sinners over here. You know, he honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. What did the Lord say? I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I would rather you be merciful, even though I want you to sacrifice me. I'd rather you, if you had a choice, I'd rather you be merciful than to sacrifice a, 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 a sheep without meaning. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And in vain, they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You know what this is saying? It's saying that they're taking their traditions and making them as, as hard, fast standing and as, as authoritative as God's commandments themselves. That's what it's saying. So if, if a commandment says, thou shalt not do such and such then the commandment of men says, not only are you to do such and such, but you're not to do such and such in the other two. It's just as equal. If you break man's commandments, you're breaking God's commandments. That's what they're saying. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Having left behind the commandment of God, you hold on to the traditions of men. It's more important to keep man's traditions than God's words, as a lot of these you know, sects and denominations believe. You got to look like us, talk like us, eat like us, smell like us, work like us, worship like us, or you're not doing it right. You're going to hell. And continuing on, it says, he was also telling them, you set aside the commands of God in order that you may validate your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and he, and he who speaks evil of father and mother must be put to death. But you say, if anyone tells his father and mother, Whatever I might have gained from me, you have gained from me is korban, that is, an offering to God. Oh, doesn't that sound so religious and so righteous and holy? You know, Mom and Dad, I could help you out financially, but I can't because God comes before you, and I've already dedicated what I was going to give to you. I dedicated it to God. Does God give a fly and flip about what's in your pocketbook and what you give to him? Does he actually need your silver and gold and your money and your Ben Franklin's or Queen Elizabeth's, whatever you have in your wallet? No. 
You then no longer permit him to do anything for his father and mother, making void the word of God with your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many such things. So basically, they, can, there's, they created a loophole. You don't have to keep God's word if you keep our, if you keep our tradition. You don't have to honor your father and mother if how you are going to honor your father and mother, you're going to honor God instead. Wait a second. Isn't honoring your father and mother at the same time honoring God? Yeah. So if you don't honor your father and mother, you make null and void the word of God that says honor your father and mother. But, oh, it's okay because I'm going to give my gift to God instead of you, mom and dad. Do you see the, the lunacy there and, and the, the hypocrisy there? Uh, okay, so that's on the one hand. Now, this is the thing that I say about tradition. This is a good rule when you're looking at any tradition in Christendom or Judaism. Number one, if it lines up with the word of God, keep it. If a tradition from Christianity or Judaism lines up with the word of God, you can find it and validate it in the word of God, then go ahead and keep it. If it's neutral, it neither enhances or detracts from the word of God, then it's your choice whether you keep that tradition or not. If it means something to you, then keep it. If it doesn't mean anything to you, then don't worry about it. Number three, if it contradicts the word of God, you must not keep it. If it nullifies or makes void the word of God, you must not keep it. Pretty simple. One, two, three. Simple as one, two, three. If it lines up with the Torah, keep it. If it's neutral, it's your choice. If it contradicts the Torah, you must not keep it. So that's on the one hand. But on the other hand, we talk about tradition. We go to Matthew chapter 23. Everybody still hanging with me? All right. Matthew 23. It says, Then Yeshua spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, the, Tor the Torah scholars and the Pharisees sit on the seat of Moses. So whatever they tell you to do, do and observe. Wait, that sounds like it just totally contradicts what Jesus said in Mark 7. How, whoa, what are we to think about this? Then Yeshua spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The Torah scholars and the Pharisees sit on the seat of Moses. So whatever they tell you to do, in other words, their interpretation of how to obey the commandments, whatever they tell you to do, do and observe, but don't do what they do. For what they say, they do not. For they tie heavy loads and, that are hard to carry and lay on men's shoulders, but, uh, but they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. All their works they do to be noticed by men. They make their tefillin wide and their zitzit long. So, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, that's kind of that's that's kind of what Yeshua is saying. Is is sometimes the Pharisees say, "Do as I say, but not as I do." Commandments for thee, but not for me, <laughs> kind of thing, right? It's 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 emphasizing the hypocrisy of tradition and religious Torah observance, but at the same time. Jesus is still telling them, keep the traditions of Judaism. Now, even Paul, he says he didn't, after he got saved, he never renounced his Phariseeism. He says, I'm a Pharisee. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I sat under the seat of Gamaliel. And when people accuse me, he says, I've not broken Torah, and I've not even broken the uh, vote, the traditions of the fathers. So he even kept the traditions. When G Jesus went to the synagogue and he taught himself, 
Did he do anything out of the ordinary that, that's done in synagogue? No, he followed the protocol of how they read Torah, of the order of service. He didn't flip things upside down. He went to synagogue. He kept their traditions. He, you know, so Jesus is for tradition as long as it doesn't supersede God's word itself or nullifies God's word itself. So he's telling them, uh, telling people to keep tradition. Now, kind of on the other hand, is this all making sense to everybody? Okay, good, good. All right, and um, 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, it's the last part of that verse. This is what the Apostle Paul says. Keep away from brothers who walk in idleness. In other words, they're lazy, they're not motivated, they don't do anything. Keep away from brothers who walk in idleness and not according to the traditions you have received from us. So Paul's saying, we not only taught you the word of God, we taught you how our sect, the sect of the Nazarene, we told you how to keep the word of God. This is the way we do it. So keep those traditions. And he warns in other places that um, if, somebody is, uh, if somebody is teaching you to do it differently, don't listen to them. Kick them out of your, uh, of your congregations. So 1 Corinthians 11.2, the last part of that verse says, Maintain their traditions even as I have delivered them to you. So Paul wasn't anti-tradition. Jesus wasn't anti-tradition. They were only anti-tradition if those traditions nullified the word of God itself. Now, let me give you an example of when I went overseas to Nigeria. I had this one guy, he was a cantor in his community. A cantor is the one who, who sings the Torah. And he knew that I was Jewish, and he probably thought that I you know, had some experience canting, which I really didn't. But he's like, teach me to sing the Torah like, like you guys do. I said, no. I could tell his, he had hurt in his eyes. I kind of hurt his feelings. And he's just like kind of shaking his head like, well, well why not? I said, listen, I said, I've heard you can't the Torah. And I said, you are Ibu. You are a Hebrew from the tribe of Gad. You have your own way of canting Torah. And when I heard you sing the Torah with an African flair and an African flavor with an Ibu style, I fell in love with it. Why in the world would I want to teach you the way that Judah does it? Judah has their own way of canting Torah, and even in, even in Judaism, you have Ashkenazic, European Jews, and Sephardic Jews. They can't the Torah differently. And I said, no, I will not teach you how we can't Torah, because the way you're doing it is the way you're supposed to be doing it. It's your tradition. You've made it your own, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's very beautiful. Now, this thing about fences around the law, I'm not, I'm not totally against it. Just be careful because Satan can take that and, and flip it on its head and trick you by it like he did Eve. There wasn't anything wrong with we're not to eat it, we're not to eat it, not even touch it. But Eve needed to know that that touching part was not what God said. That was an added rule. So guardrails, I mean, the road is pretty obvious. If it's got white lines on the side and yellow lines in the middle, you know to stay between the white and the yellow line. Pretty simple. But sometimes the road is in a very treacherous, dangerous spot. And in times past, there's a lot of people who maybe went too fast around the turn and they couldn't stay on the road and they went over the embankment. So they put a guardrail there. 
How dare they put a guardrail there? Isn't the law enough to stay between the lines? The guardrail is there for safety. So it's just like, it's like saying to a child, you know, don't play with matches. But yet you keep the matches in a particular door, drawer. Don't you dare even touch that drawer. Or your little hand's going to get smacked. Well, the reason you said that is because you don't want them to get to the matches. So it's a guardrail around the prohibition of playing with matches. So there's nothing wrong with guardrails. But just remember, don't think that those guardrails are as authoritative as the Word of God itself. Clear as mud? Okay. So know the difference between a guardrail and a solid yellow-white line. Um, so, fences are good unless you mistake them for law itself, and we already discussed that by how Eve was tricked by the serpent because the addition, don't even touch the tree. So, know the difference between a commandment and a custom. Know the difference. A commandment is in the Word of God, it's black and white. A custom is how a particular group of people carries out that particular commandment, and there's nothing wrong. We can all do it different ways, more than one way to skin a cat. Know the difference between Torah and tradition. What the Word of God, what the Torah says, and the tradition of how some people do it, some people carry it out. Now, I had a dream recently that my mother came to me and she says, you know this, you know this house that you built? It's like, there's a storm that came and just totally leveled it. And I was like, oh, man. I was like, what a waste of time. I put so much effort and so much time into building this house. And then the storm comes along and knocks it down. But she says, wait, 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 wait. You know that addition you built onto the house that already existed? It's still standing. And I woke up and I'm like, Lord, what is that? Basically, the Lord told me, you are to build on, th on the tradition that you were raised with. Anything that you add to the tradition that you were raised with, build on the foundation of how you were raised. Don't try to go off and do something totally different and totally new. So I had that tendency when I found out that I was Jewish, and I, you know, I found out, and, and Pam and I become Messianic Jews and Torah observant. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it the way the Jews do. I'm going to do it exactly the way, you know, Orthodox Jews and everything. But that's not what God called me to do. I was raised free will Baptist. I was just to take my new knowledge of the Torah and build on the foundation that I was raised with. So that's why, you know, some people say, well, well what, what are you? Well, I mean, I'm a believer, first and foremost. But if you want to know kind of what I believe, I'm a Messianic Bapticostal. <laughs> I'm a Messianic Bapticostal because I was raised free will Baptist. So there's many things that I still hold true and dear because they haven't, I haven't found anything different or how they've contradicted the word. But there's some things that the Free Will Baptists believe that I don't believe. For instance, they believe the gifts have been done away with, that that went away with Acts. I don't. So I believe more Pentecostal in that persuasion. So that's why I say Bapticostal. But I say Messianic Bapticostal because I keep the Torah and I keep the traditions of my, of, of my ancestors, the Jewish people. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, so it's like visiting different churches different denominations and different sects at churches, sometimes it's uncomfortable because like, oh, this seems dusty and dry. But other people, that's the way they were raised. And it's like, we love it. This is what we're used to. So, it's, you know, like if it's a more liturgical kind of church, a Baptist is going to feel very uncomfortable because it's like, oh, this is all scripted. You know, we go by the move of the Spirit. Yeah, you may go by the move of the Spirit, but don't you do it the same way each time? 
There's the greeting, there's the prayer, there's the three songs in the sermon, thereafter the sermon is the altar call. You still have your traditions. It's just, you know, that's what you're used to. You don't see them as traditions. You know, oh, we're led by the Spirit. You know, and yeah, you are because sometimes you break from that routine because if the Spirit hits, you may sing 10 songs and then do a sermon or you may not do a sermon at all or whatever. And then other churches will have a very liturgical and it's just scripted throughout the year. That's kind of like Judaism. When you go into a Jewish synagogue, you know exactly where they're going to be reading from on any given Sabbath. There's nothing wrong with that. Catholic Church changed the Apostles' Creed yeah. 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Well, and, and it's like there's some churches that will, you know, have a responsive reading or they'll say certain prayers before they start. We've come up with like our own liturgy. Like I, there's certain scriptures I read before we even start the service. But if I decide to change it up and doing something different, there's nothing wrong with that either. This is just the way the Lord has led me. People don't like change. No, people, we're creatures of habit. No, we don't like change. Yeah. Yeah. And I find that in my life, the Lord is changing things up on me all the time. And I get so used to doing it a certain way, and the Lord's now telling me to do it differently, and I get mad, and I get frustrated, and I get mad at Him. But when I finally give into it, I, I see how great it was. And I'm like, wow, I should have listened to you, Lord. I should have just, you know, because, and Pam will tell you, I'm just so rigid in my observance and so rigid in the way I do things. And it's hard for me to switch gears and to change gears. But when I do, I'm glad I did. But change is hard. Yeah. So know the difference between Torah and tradition, between commandment and custom. There's nothing wrong with, with tradition. There's nothing wrong with custom. Just don't put custom and tradition on the same level as the plain black and white meaning of the word of God itself. All right. We'll go ahead and close with the uh, blessing over the reading of the word. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. For the word of God is quick, meaning it's alive. It's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. She is a tree of life for them that take hold on her, and happy is every one that retaineth her. Heavenly Father, Wow. Help us, Lord, to love and embrace tradition to a healthy extent that we don't make that tradition divine law itself. Help us to always understand and know the difference between Torah and tradition, commandment and custom. And that it's okay that different customs, different traditions is okay, but the word of God never changes. It's always the same. It's universal. But the way that we carry it out may look a little different at times. And help us to be okay with that and not to criticize somebody else because they do things a little bit differently in their denomination, their sect, or their synagogue, or their church. And help us, Lord, that if you ever tell us to change up the way we do things, that we won't be resistant. Look who's talking, the guy who fights you all the time when you tell me to change. So, Lord, help me because I'm the leader of this little flock, Lord. And that I would be obedient to you if you tell me to switch things up and do things a little bit differently, Lord. But it's so funny because I remember 
you know, uh, pastoring a church. And then when I went off script and kind of did things a little differently, I could see everybody looking at each other like, wait, wait, wait we're not supposed to do it this way. And then I said, look, guys, I know we were, we were not used to this, but it's okay. We're still going to, you know, so Lord help us. Cause we are such creatures of habit and, uh, we, we have such a fallen nature and an addictive personality to habit. And there's comfort and safety that we feel in that. So, Lord, help us, because I think in the end times, you're going to be telling us to do things differently all the time for our own good and for our own safety, to stay ahead, maybe, of our persecutors. And, Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we ask and give thanks for these things in Yeshua's name. Amen.